This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 37, The Anxiety Attack That Saved My Life, part one. Welcome back to the show. We just experienced a bloody nose. Oh man, we are getting ready to record. And sweet little crew came in the room. Because we're recording out of my house. Murder scene blood. Head to toe. <laughs> Several rooms were damaged. Hold on. Murder scene blood. Murder scene behavior. He yes. was running. He ran in the, in the room. Like, and what did he say? Blood, blood. Or There's blood, he, blood, 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 blood. <laughs> it's one of the blessings of living in the desert. You get random bloody noses because I the temperature is so dry. Yeah. Anyway. The temper- temperatures can't be dry. Or the the air quality can be dry. The air Listen, is dry. We're a rusty. The air is dry. <laughs> the air is dry. The weather is pretty normal, but yeah, no, he got this random bloody nose and came storming in. And anyway, it did take us a few minutes to let's just say clean it up in the several locations the stuff- where there was blood spatter. <laughs> it was a pretty. It was a pretty good one. It was a good. Oh, he a informed moment. us actually. That he watched a show that if you put raw bacon up your nose, it's supposed to help. He wanted <laughs> Who to put is teaching ra- kids. This is what I want to know. Who he wanted to put raw bacon up his nose, but he really did. And he sincerely asked, "Do we have raw bacon?" I said, "Yes," and we will not be doing that. So- and I will add too, if we had been recording and he was going to handle it himself, a hundred percent, we would have gone out to raw bacon shoved in Cruz's nose. Hundred percent. So that's our excitement. I hope your day, your day also has some excitement. We're really excited for this topic in the weirdest kind of way. Is excited to. Be in the right word I think this is such an important topic and I think we both feel like impressed upon of how prevalent and how significant anxiety is yeah and I am really excited I hope that the title has kind of piqued your interest because Mm -hmm. this is something that Becky has just gone through so we're so excited to talk about this but before we do that let's hear a word from this week's sponsor So we're still not moved into the new house. Surprise, surprise, I know. But you better believe I'm still daydreaming and planning some of the decorating that will be happening there. So one of the first things that will go up on the wall are the letter ledges from Spotted Owl Avenue. It's still boxed up in our packing room, but I seriously can't wait to put it on display. You've likely heard us talk about these before, and you may have even seen the ones I have put up in our home. Letter ledges are such a great way to incorporate personalized and positive messages into our home as constant reminders that lift our spirits and help us to feel empowered. Customizable wooden letters, words, and decals slide into the handmade letter ledge, allowing you to create bold messages that look amazing in your home. The original letter ledges are a true statement piece in your home, and those are available in 24 and 48 inches. They also have mini letter ledges that are 12 inches long and come with a 70 plus piece letter kit. It is seriously the cutest. Check out at Spotted Owl Avenue on Instagram, and when you enter Becky10 at checkout, you will save 10%. You'll love making a new kind of statement, one that you can change as often as you like when you get your own letter ledge from Spotted Owl Avenue. Becky just said, <laughs> I feel so weird that I have no notes because this is another one of those episodes where yep. there, there's a framework because I just lived this story and I'm really looking forward to sharing it in a kind of a strange but beautiful way. But Becky has nothing. 
I have nothing. Nothing. We could be talking about something <laughs> totally different. I'm going to throw you a curveball. That's fine. Throw them all day long. Yeah, I probably could. And you would just be fine. So that's what we're going to do is I, I'm going to share a story. Um, you already know, you know, spoiler alert, that this is about an anxiety attack that saved my life. And it sounds a little bit dramatic, but I will assure you that that's how I feel. That's exactly what I feel about this situation, this episode that happened really recently, really, really recently. And, um, and it's a tender topic, but I will, I, I got to just say, this is not a freshly opened wound. I don't think that we should be sharing things when they are so like fresh in that way. The wound is not open. I feel very much on the healing side of this um, and the recovering side of it. And, and it's, it's a beautiful thing in my life. And so I'm really, I feel very fortunate and blessed to be able to feel that way about it so that I can share it. And the whole point of this is that while I'm sharing a story that is personal to me, and it is quite personal, it really, really is. I also was telling Becky, I feel so much that so many people can see themselves in this story. So while I'm sharing this, it isn't about me. It is my story, but I want you to envision, um, there, that there's probably a piece of this, maybe more, but at least a piece of this that you will probably find yourself relating to in some way, whatever that looks like. So keep an open mind and an open heart, um, as with everything that we talk about to find yourself in the story and find ways that this can really personally benefit you. So. I'm really glad we're talking about this because I think I myself have experienced anxiety. Um, I have postpartum anxiety, which I didn't even know was a thing yeah. until I had it. Um, but the reason I think it's so important to talk about is anxiety is something a lot of people experience it. Apparently. And a lot of people realize they're experiencing it, but a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. And when I first started experiencing anxiety, um, I didn't know that's what I was experiencing. It felt like a lot of different things, but for some reason, none of those things were anxiety to me. Mm -hmm. And so I love that giving this kind of like monster type thing a name took away a lot of its power over me and I was able to um to be able to know how to deal with it in my life and so I think naming the monster is a really good thing to do so I'm interested to see if some listeners are going to realize that they are in fact experiencing um some anxiety yeah and and honestly I I knew that you had had anxiety you've shared with me in the past mm -hmm. um about some experiences that you had had with that. And I always felt, you know, I've always felt when I've, I've heard about anxiety that people have dealt with mm -hmm. or gone through, um, anxiety, anxiety attacks, even, um, I've always felt compassionate, but I've never felt like I related to it, which is really, really ironic, really ironic because what I'm about to share isn't about just an episode. It actually also ties into the realization that I've been dealing with anxiety for a pretty long time and I didn't even realize it. And so to your point, when we name it and we identify it for what it is, there is power in that. You name the beast and all of a sudden it has a little less power on you or over you, I should say. So, um, and people might be curious, Becky, maybe before I share my story, um, you said postpartum anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. really, was it only in those periods of time right after a baby or what did that look like for you? So directly after having a baby, you're tired, your body's out of whack, your hormones are out of whack. Um, and I started having, I knew I wasn't depressed. So I wasn't experiencing the postpartum depression side, but I was not feeling good. And it wasn't until I think my third baby, 
Um, I had my first panic attack after my third baby and she was born like she's just this cute little thing and had really tiny airways. And as she, she was probably, um, one or two and she uh, every time she got a cold or runny nose her like throat closed up and we'd have to take her to the hospital and breathing treatments and all this and every time that would happen I would go into a panic attack and I didn't know like what I was feeling I literally felt like I could leave my body like it just felt like the worst possible thing I could experience the highest like pinnacle of not having control and just this these horrible physical symptoms I would feel and I didn't identify it until I went to the doctor probably six months into this and she was like well that's a that's a panic attack that's an anxiety attack and I was like I don't have anxiety but Mm. then looking back she was asking me questions and I was like oh my gosh like I totally have anxiety I had it after this and I had it with that and then even thinking back to to high school, mm. I remember some things in high school where I think I was having anxiety or a panic attack that I hadn't related as that. So having that information gave me so much power because moving forward, when I know that what I'm feeling is a panic attack, um, and I have learned some things that work really well with me. For a short time, I was on um, an anti-anxiety medication while I got it under control. And now I know what works for me um, with my diet, with exercise, with some other things we'll share that keep me away from that like really low, low of having a panic attack. And when I start to feel anxious, I can nip it in the bud before it gets That's really cool. out of control. And yeah. so now I, I have it totally managed. But um, it's just interesting when you think about you have information and you look back. You look back at like, wait a minute, this has been a factor in my life and I haven't even realized it. But if you don't know that what you're experiencing is anxiety, like it could send you to the hospital. Like it's really scary. There are some really um, intense physical kind of manifestations that happen with this. Right. And um, it can be scary if you don't, if you don't know what you're experiencing. Well, and speaking of physical manifestations of anxiety, it will look different for everyone. So, you know, as we share some of what we've experienced, don't expect that it's going to look exactly the same or that it has looked exactly the same for you or someone that you know. Um, That's something that I am becoming a little bit more educated on because I didn't know. Like I said, I was really, I just didn't have the information. It's not something I had studied. And it's interesting. I noticed that you used um, terms interchangeably. And I just want to say something that I've learned recently. An anxiety attack and a panic attack are actually really, really different from what I understand. And so what you may have experienced may have been. What's the difference? I've never, ever heard that before. Very, very high level. Because I just kind of looked into it a little bit, you Mm -hmm. know, through the internet. Because I'm like, what is what is an anxiety attack? Like, what's the definition of that? And it really took me to a lot of articles that differentiated. And the main blanket statement over all of this is that a panic attack is actually like really, really deeply serious and usually related to a panic disorder. And it really happens more spontaneously where it doesn't even have to be based on a trigger, doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be based on stress. And it just happens out of nowhere and it's completely uncontrollable. Whereas an anxiety attack is something that's obviously directed by anxiety, but it's not like diagnosable. It's just something that happens as a, as a result of anxiety. And it usually happens because of triggers and it usually happens because of like stress, for example. Um, and it is, it can be manageable and it's way less intense. So interesting. 
But Interesting. I don't even know what I've experienced. Words, um, interchangeably. And yeah. the more I've learned about it, just in the recent couple of weeks, I'm like, oh, okay. So I'll never describe my experience of what I just went through and all, uh, you know, that I'm about to share as a panic attack because it's not associated with a disorder and it is kind of an episode that's very directly related to the anxiety. But anyway, interesting. Interesting. Okay. So I'll kind of walk you through something that happened recently. And, um, and Becky knows all of this, you know, she's one of my very closest friends and we've, we've talked through a lot of this together kind of before, during, and after, (laughs) (laughs) um, and, and since, but she, she also will have plenty to interject and she's listening from your vantage point as well. And, and I'm sure we'll add some things that will hopefully help tie a bow on all of it for you as well. So, Not too long ago, it's been now a few weeks, I'm not looking at the calendar, but you know, pretty recently, there was an episode um, through my work on social media. The details of that really don't matter. They're actually not part of the story at all, but it's something I've been on social media for, I mean, 10 years, right? Forever. She's a dinosaur, you guys. Pretty much a dinosaur (laughs) in the social media realm. I mean, as, as soon as social media existed and my business was starting around the same time, I've been on social media. So... When you talk about people on social media who get into the cycle of, you know, cyberbullying or meanness, comparison, or all, yeah, yeah like, all that stuff. Come on, like I know all of it. I've been around the block many, many times with all of it. I can handle that kind of stuff. It's not a big deal. This was different. And again, without going into the details of what the specific situation was, because it doesn't matter, it is the conduit to what then happened next. And that's mm-hmm. why I wanted to just share that. There was a typical, a pretty typical um, scenario of opposition and unkindness and meanness on social media that just, it just piled up and it was pretty heavy. And when it happened, it was on a Saturday. And I think this is really important to mention because it was on a Saturday and I was kind of dealing with it. And, you know, my stomach gets in knots with these kind of situations because, you know, my heart, Becky, not mm-hmm. everybody knows my heart. And so I am well-intended with things that I do. I'm very intentional and I'm a very kind person. And so when anything is even slightly misunderstood, it just puts my stomach in knots because I'm like, wait, well, hold I think on. essentially it hurts you because you want, you would love to be like in the same room with that person and have Absolutely. them hear your tone and be like, no, I would never mm-hmm. mean that. And that's kind of the hard part with social media is you can't hear people's tone. And oftentimes, um, we do not give people the benefit of the doubt. We're much quicker to jump to being offended. And um, that's something I really try to be so mindful of. Just honestly, not for anyone else, for myself. It doesn't help me to like jump to the worst conclusion about what someone's posting or how I'm reading into it. Like it doesn't, that doesn't aid me or assist me in my life at all. And um, I think that's something we all need to be really mindful of is giving people the benefit of the doubt, even if they don't deserve it. And and assuming that everyone's heart is in the right place. I don't know very many people who are engaging in social media solely for the purpose of of, of like trying to offend people and be mean, right? Like yeah, I think if it's something you're engaging in, it's probably with good intentions. I think so too. And I really think that that's what this particular case was is people probably did have all the best intentions, but it just got out of hand. It just did because that's what happens on social media. And I think it's worth interjecting also that – the last episode, if you haven't heard it yet, episode 36, Be Smart with Social Media, that's a good one. And it, it really talks more in depth about this whole topic of social media. So kind of going back to where I left off, the, the specific situation wasn't the point of any of this, but it's really significant in that that was a springboard for what then happened. So this happened on a Saturday 
And I tried to just set everything to the side and I took my kids to see the latest Avengers movie, Endgame, right? And so when I went, I had taken Claire and some friends and they were giggly and loving life and just so happy. But I also brought with me Crew. Now, Crew's already seen the movie. And the reason why this is important is because he was so excited, not just to see it again, but to see it with me. He could not wait to watch his mom watch his favorite movie. He just was so so excited to see my reaction, my response. And the reason I am sharing that is because I made a mistake. I made a really, really big mistake. So the movie ends and, you know, all the end credits and stuff. And I just thought, I'm just going to take a a moment and just check in. And you know what I mean by that? Yes. Check in on the social media. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see how that situation is going. I'm hoping it's going to have calmed down. And it was the opposite, right? I opened my social media I and there it was, right? Like just, I felt slammed. I felt slammed by the opposition. I felt slammed and just, just really like a lot of unkindness and that sort of thing. So what do you think that happened? What do you think happened to me, right? I'm yeah. here finishing the movie with my kids and where's my mind anymore? It is not with crew. It's not about the movie. It wasn't debriefing and talking about right, everything talking that through his excitement. No, and he like, wanted to know your experience with it. And totally yeah. did. He wanted to process it. And where was my mind? It was absolutely on this situation. It was on. It was on. At the end of the day, it was work. Right on a Saturday. And so this doesn't seem like too big of a deal, except that it was because then what then happened is. We start going home. I stopped to pick up pizza for the kids. And meanwhile, you know, when I was sitting in the parking lot, I'm texting you and the team. And I'm like, guys, what? And how do I, mm-hmm. what do we do? Like, and it was a Saturday, right? And we're now, you know, like historically, I have worked so hard to make sure that I don't work on weekends. My team doesn't work on weekends. And here I was wrapped up and being consumed in this issue and, and dragging my team into it. That's really what it well, was. Well, and to be honest, you know, I've worked with Becky for several months now. <laughs> I was going to say several years. But um, this is not something that typically gets in Becky's head. Yeah. Like this happens all the time. And for some reason, this one was different. And so she is very good and intentional, like she said, to make sure that weekends are weekends with mm-hmm. our family. And there's not. Um, so this situation was really, really unique. Yeah. In the fact that you are pretty impenetrable when it comes to like situations like this. For some reason, this one Um, kind of wiggled in. And I think that it needed to. And that's the Mm -hmm. point of all this. I really, you know, as much as that situation isn't the point of the story, it is part of the story because it was the springboard for what then happened. So I go home um, to kind of fast forward through this a little bit. And I got Claire and her friends dropped off at the community pool and, you know, crew was just kind of who knows what, because my mind was so wrapped up in this. I remember sitting down specifically on this spot on the couch. David was on call that day, meaning he could have been called at any point. So he couldn't, that's why he wasn't at the movie with us. And that's why he couldn't like make plans because that's how that works with his schedule. And so he was sitting there, he had just finished eating and he was just observing me. And of course I'm telling him, this is what's going on. This is, you know, this is what's happened. And he's just being kind of like quiet and observing. I could tell. And I was just, you can picture my phone in my face and me and just figuring out how, what's the next step. Just panicking, just like spinning wheels and just being concerned about everything and being consumed with the issue. And then he says, okay, Becky. And I'm like, what should I say? And he's like, no, like, hold on, just listen for a minute. And at that point, the way he said it, I just turned my phone off and put it down. 
So it was no longer even in my hands because Mm -hmm. whatever my husband had to say was more important. And I really wanted his counsel, to be honest. I wanted his advice. I had just got off the phone with you Mm -hmm. and I was was pretty emotional. You remember by the time I got off the phone with you, you were offering some encouragement, some suggestions. You were offering love and support and I was emotional and I got off the phone with you. So the emotions continued and he says to me, hey, um, I don't want to like try to fix things. And I said, no, like fix this. Please fix it. Fix this now. Yeah. <laughs> what is the solution here? Because, you know, there's always that running joke with men and women and the yeah. differences is the guys want to fix things and the girls just want to be heard. I wanted him to fix it. I actually wanted David to like say the solution. This is what you do with this. I did not know what was going to come next. And, and I had no idea that the solution he was going to offer was actual like real solution. And it had nothing to do with the situation. So, um... He said, you know, I just, I just want to remind you, and he was so kind and so loving. He's like, I just want to remind you that you don't have to do this. And I said, babe, I know like, I, ha- you know that I have to deal with this because it's all stirred up and I've got to, I've got to deal with it. No, Becky, I don't think you need to do this at all. I think you need to remember that you don't have to work. And I'm like, whoa. Like, babe, right? settle down. <laughs> and he wasn't saying it in like a... No. Because my husband said that to me too. Honey, you don't have to work. Like, right. Because I like to recognize the choice in all things. But I think when David was saying that, like he really wanted you to examine for a minute, like what is this bringing to our life right now? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do this. That's exactly what he was saying with the simple question of, do you still need to do this? And he reminded me, I don't have to work, meaning... I've worked my whole life. I've never not worked. I've had babies and I've worked. I've done things and I've worked. I've taken vacations and I worked on vacation, you know, like, and he was just reminding me that I don't have to work. And that's, that's just where we are. And I know that that's kind of a unique situation, but in our situation, that's what it is. And I said, babe, you know, and this all through tears, right? I'm crying, crying, crying. And he says, um, I say to him, you know that I feel called to do this work, which if you're listening and if you've known me for any length of time in the work that I do, you probably know that this is how I feel about the work. I feel called to do this work. I feel. And I almost think that's what David was talking about though. Like, I don't think he meant like, if you, you know, stop working, we're not going to be able to pay our mortgage. I almost think what he meant more was like, you don't have to do this for your identity. Like your identity is not your brand. Totally. Right. Like really, really good point. I think he was, I think he I was, think in the smartest way possible, he was trying to get you to see like a yes, financially, you don't have to work for, you know, to, to keep your home or whatever, but also like you're not your self-worth, your whatever is not tied to your brand. Like you are you without all of that. I think you're right. And I actually hadn't thought about that until you just said that, like that that's what he was layering into his message and he was doing it. If you know my husband at all, and you really don't, none of you do, because I, he, he likes the private life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I don't share much about him, but you should know about him that he teases me a lot in the best possible way. He's a teaser. He's the best. And he keeps me grounded. Oh yeah. He does not like put my head in the clouds ever. In fact, he's the one that keeps my head out of the clouds and it's in all of the best ways. And so we're both married to very similar men actually, which is why our husbands get along so well. They're very linear. They're very smart. They're very, um, 
grounded. Very grounded. Yeah. Which is so good. It is so good. It's so good for me. And I mentioned that because typically he's, you know, he's, he would tease me or give me a hard time and just, you know, whatever. But this was different. His tone was so incredibly loving and so compassionate, but also like the most straightforward tone ever. And so I say to him, babe, you know that I feel called to this work. And do you know what he says to me next? He says, Becky, Jesus didn't have an LLC. And I don't remember if I chuckled or cried harder or I felt so many emotions in what he said because it was true. He went on to explain and remind me, you don't have to have, Jesus didn't have an infrastructure. He was just him and he served people. And that was his point because he knew that that's what would reach me because I love Jesus. <laughs> well, and the the point he was trying to make too, obviously, wasn't drawing parallels between Becky and Christ. But right, of course. what he was trying to say was in response to Becky saying, I feel called to do this. Like, I know I'm supposed to help people because the brand has always been about, it's never been about money or dollars and cents or right. numbers. It's always been about helping, about using your unique gifts and talents to help other people. And so he was reminding her too with that, that like you can help people without an infrastructure. You can still fulfill your purpose if you don't have an infrastructure. And I don't even think he was saying like down with the infrastructure. No. He was just trying to ask the question to get you to examine like where you were at with all that. Exactly. And that's what is so beautiful about this whole situation is that he was bringing light to the examination point that you're that you're saying Becky and that's exactly what it was and so as he said that and I you know cried more I bring up the crying because I think that's really important as it plays into the anxiety attack because I was so emotional and he suggested that in light of what he was saying and what we were talking about he said you need a you need a break from work you need to like take a real break and I and I pretty much at that point said I know I really could use a break and he's like no I mean like Mm-hmm. Like you should take a real break, like take a week. Sure. But like, maybe you need like a few weeks, a month, like maybe you need to set everything aside, not even look at the inbox, completely set it aside. And you would think that in my mind, I would be like, heck yeah, Relieved. that sounds amazing. Yeah. That sounds, yeah. Like that's a huge relief. And I think that most people in a normal mindset would probably feel like peace out. Someone's giving me permission to just be. Yeah, exactly. And that is not how I felt as he was walking me through, um, what that might look like and suggestions for how I might spend my time. Cause he knows what I love and care about. And he knows what I'm neglecting in my life that I personally want to spend time and attention on, but I'm not because again, the work saying that with big air quotes, um, as he was describing, to me what that might look like and I became increasingly emotional I was realizing what that could look like I was visualizing myself not working and the thought of not working while you would think sounds like a fantastic vacation the thoughts actually spiraled me into visualizing not working separating myself from all of that and then the crying became sobbing And the sobbing became uncontrollable and that uncontrollable feeling became gasping for air. And I was breathing so heavily. My boys were both nearby, by the way. So they on the peripheral heard what was going on, but I kept saying out loud, I'm okay. I don't know what this is, but I'm okay. Cause I was so concerned about them being like, what's wrong with mom? But they knew that David was there with me. So at that point he's off the couch, right? He's with me. He's rubbing my shoulders and I, it intensifies. It intensifies and becomes incredibly dramatic. And I'm 
not into drama that way. Like I just, I, I have always said that I'm grateful to be emotionally stable. I've always said, I've always said that, mm-hmm. which is so funny because what even is that not? though, right? Like what even is emotional is stability? That? Because right. I think we all have moments. I think sometimes the most stable thing to do is recognize when things aren't okay. Totally. Right. And to let yourself feel the feels, which was what you did exactly was let yourself right. feel it. It just got to a level that exposed some feelings you may not have even realized you were having. A thousand percent. I didn't realize. And it's interesting as you're talking about how it started as crying and moved to sobbing, like how that kind of moved into your anxiety attack. It's so funny because when I have anxiety attacks, I shut down. Like I start to feel it. And when it really comes on strong, like I stop talking, I don't cry. Like I completely withdraw in myself and I don't have that crying response. And I think that's really important to bring up because like we said at the beginning, people's anxiety is going to manifest in very different ways. Mm -hmm. And you are naturally not as much of a crier. And so I actually think that that suits that anxiety style. Right, it makes if you sense. Will. Yeah, your style of anxiety attack. <laughs> it suits you so beautifully. Maybe it just intensifies like what's already like there. Who you right, really like are. who you are right. and how you react to things like that. Because I'll tell That's you, a good point. It you know it totally makes me just retreat into myself, and I don't mm-hmm. want to be touched or talked to or like. Um, and I remember when I was having during the childbearing, rearing young children years, I had them pretty often for a while. And Taylor just knew, like, go sit outside. Like, he knew what to do and just to, like, not. That's cool. Yeah. That's actually really cool. And you knew what it was. because Once I knew what it was, it was so much less scary and I could deal with it on my own. When I didn't know what it was, I literally thought I was going crazy. Like, I thought I was having a psychotic break or I thought, like, I had, I had a disease. Like I thought something was seriously wrong with me because I didn't know that your brain could mm-hmm. cause your body to react so strongly to something. That's, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. And that's exactly what happened is it was my brain. Mm-hmm. Nothing had happened. Nothing had actually happened. And that's a hard part when you have it. And I remember someone saying to me, well, what happened? What's wrong? And I was like, really, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. It's not like my husband left me or there's nothing super duper wrong. Like my body just had this response right? probably due to a lot of factors, but had this response to these feelings I was having and it's not usually tied. I think there are triggers, but I think it's important to say too, my anxiety was never tied to like, you know, someone passed away and I had anxiety. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't that way. It wasn't tied to anything massively wrong. And if you ask me like during that time, do you have like a happy life? Are you fulfilled in your life? Totally 100% yes. That was the answer, right? It was just this biological thing I had going on in my body coupled with stress. And for me, sleep and dehydration, I told Becky this, and I've told you this forever. If I am not getting good sleep or if I am dehydrated in a high stress situation, that is where anxiety will like start to rear rear its little ugly head so I have to be very careful about especially on vacations making sure particularly if I'm staying in one hotel room with all my children like for real (laughs) that is well that's where you had a really that is super my my very first like really bad one we were in southern California and Lucy was a baby started having the breathing stuff and we had been at the beach all day I was dehydrated I was overtired we were in a hotel room with three little kids and it was high stress and I like literally, I locked myself in the bathroom and I was like, Taylor, I just need to be in here. And I just laid on the cold tile floor, which is so gross because I hate any kind of 
public restroom of any kind. And so I just laid there and like felt the cold on my face and just had to like work through it. But that was before I knew what it was. And so that those experiences were really, really scary. That's what I was going to say. That must have felt very scary and very like concerning on a whole new level because it was before you understood what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that. And I did when you first shared that with me, because again, it's going to look different for everyone and it's going to manifest itself differently. And you were able to get through it and you survived, but and, and Taylor was there. And the I didn't room. really get through it, though. This is the thing. Before I knew what it was, I wasn't using any tools to help me through it. I just mm. was waiting for time to pass. Okay. And that was what I did is I just lay there and I just waited for the time to pass. Hmm. And so there's a difference between waiting for the time to pass and doing having some tools that you can use to, like, you know, work your way out of it. That's interesting. Very, very different. That's those two really, things. really, really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. Um as I, as I continue sharing, I will mention something, a tool that I learned specifically that has to do with the breathing. I'll share that with you guys. Because- and it's interesting. Becky came home, um, from this place she went, which she'll tell you about. And that breathing technique, yeah. a variation of it is what I was taught mm. um, by my aunt who, who is, um, a social worker and that technique is really, really helpful. Okay. So that's coming. Yeah. We'll definitely share that with you. Uh, let me go back to where I left off in this, um, in this moment, uh, in terms of realizing, like you were talking about, Becky, is that I was in that moment having a physical response to a thought. And the thought wasn't about social media. The thought wasn't even, the thought was connected directly to the idea, the thought of me not working. Mm -hmm. Which then in that moment, I'm sure you can appreciate, that is when I realized whoa. So I'm in the middle of this anxiety attack. David thankfully was with me. I'm gasping for air. I'm saying all these things out loud. I'm saying a lot of things. Like I talked my way through it, meaning like I said, I don't know what this is, what is happening, what's Mm -hmm. going on. So I was gasping for air, but saying things at the same time. You're doing that like verbal dump. It was a total verbal dump. You want to hear what else was in my dump? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well... I'd love to hear what's in your verbal dump, actually. Okay. This is, these are some of the other things I said. That was a really weird. That was awesome. I actually think it was a little bit awesome, to be honest with you. I'm sorry, and you're welcome. Okay. So in all seriousness, this is these are some of the other things that came out of my mouth. So what is this? What is happening? Why is this happening? David, what is this? What's going on? Also, I'm not healthy. I suck at food. I don't remember how to feed my family properly anymore. I need help. I'm not healthy, right? I'm saying all of these things as I'm verbally dumping because I was in the most vulnerable place that I think I've ever been, it feels like in the moment mm-hmm. anyway. And all of these things that were coming out were not just expressions of nothingness. They were my truths and they were coming out. I actually think it's pretty intuitive though that when you had that, that your brain was giving you that that thought of, right? I'm not in a healthy place because... Right of all the tools and medicine and therapy and lots, there's lots of tools out there. I have found for myself that the most effective in maintaining, um, like healthy anxiety, you know, it's not something I really don't have anxiety attacks anymore. Um, I haven't in a long time. That doesn't mean I won't again, but that's awesome. That health, Mm -hmm. um, when my body is healthy, when I'm putting good things into my body and treating my body with respect and, and love, um, that to me has been the most powerful tool. And so I think it's really interesting and quite intuitive that your brain went there and was like, 
if you were in a healthier place, like we might not be going down the rabbit hole quite so far. Totally. Here's what I love about what you're saying. You figured this out for yourself earlier than I did for myself. I just had anxiety attacks earlier than you did. That's what it is. So I mean, right. It's all relative. It's all relative. If you had had it earlier, you would have figured it out earlier too. So I would hope, right? But I'm 42 years old and, and I'm telling you that this anxiety attack saved my life for a reason because all of those expressions that I was saying, I'm not healthy, I suck at food, like this had nothing to do with a number on the scale or how my genes fit, like at all. This was all about the fact that what you got a grip on in your life and through your anxiety experiences, I, I'm behind on that. Like I know better and I know how to take care of myself, but I have been terrible about taking care of myself personally the way I know that I need to. And that is absolutely what led to this. But this is why this is why I will always view the anxiety attack as a gift. It truly is a gift because that experience taught me, whoa, you aren't healthy. Like you and and I'm not saying you are broken, you need to be fixed. I'm just saying you've got some work to do. And I think that that's a really healthy perspective on this. It's how I felt in the moment, even in the moment, like even in the depths of this situation, when I feel like I was like laying at the bottom of the pit, mm-hmm. I am so grateful for the gift that I felt in that, which is, man, there's only one way to go from here and it is up. And I knew it and my husband knew it. And so he, he walked me through that. He kind of like helped calm me down. I mean, this lasted for a good several minutes. And I kept reassuring my boys that I was fine and it was fine and whatever. Cause I knew that it would be, I knew that I was going to come out on the other side of this. Were you going to say something? Oh, okay. So, um, so I, I wanted to just explain one thing about the anxiety attack. Um, the lack of control that I felt was really bizarre, really, really bizarre. I know you and I talk about how we have power over our thoughts. We choose our thoughts all of these things. And yet the thought that triggered the anxiety attack, it's almost as if I got myself into a place of such lack of control that the only thing else in my entire life that I could ever compare that to was when I was in labor with Porter. So 16 years ago, I'm in labor and I dilate to a 10 without an epidural. And by the way, my husband's an anesthesiologist. This Whoever is like- <laughs> does that by choice, like not by choice. I had an accidental, like, uh-huh. Whoops, I should have gotten it sooner moment with Jameson. Same thing. So I just want to say, if you're a woman who has given birth naturally, <laughs> you are my hero. You're like, my hero. Like, holy garbage. Good for you. But, you know, to each their own. And that's that's not the point of this. But, I mean, yeah, there are, so, there are definitely many women who choose not to have an epidural. I am pro-epidural. I am pro, like, let's take away the pain and enjoy that experience for, with less pain, you know. And mm-hmm. like I said, my husband's profession, like, this is what we believe. We believe in epidurals. Anyway, I'm laughing Which, because, I have to tell you this. When Jameson, when I, when I was having Jameson and I got the epidural too late and it didn't work and they told me it was time to push, mm-hmm. I was like, no. <laughs> No, I'm not pushing. I need my epidural to kick in before I push. Like, this is not happening because I was in so much pain. Mm -hmm. And, oh, man. And I literally was like, I will control this. Like, I am absolutely not (laughs) pushing this child out until until you work this out and figure out what's happening because that's not happening. We're not doing this without an epidural. No, I just got through it and I hadn't, because I wasn't expecting to do it that way, I hadn't wrapped my head around doing it that way. Right. And then as soon as he was born, the epidural 
kicked in. Of course. And I was, n- <laughs> they had given me like several shots and they're like, we can't give you anymore. We're going to numb your lungs. Like we can't do it. Right. And so then I couldn't walk for two days, but yeah. So do you, I don't know about your experience with that level of pain, but for me, when I was in labor with Porter and not by choice was dilating to attend so quickly after lots of labor it happened suddenly, quickly, whatever, but I will never forget the lack of control I had in the noises that came from my mouth during <laughs> labor. I sounded like a dying animal in the middle of the forest with oh. no one around. Like it was so embarrassing isn't even the right word because come on when it's you're like labor, an out-of-body experience it I is. mean seriously it really is and that's why I'm comparing it is not because it was painful like that it's not even a comparable situation but I'm comparing that it was an experience that I have never felt such a loss of control. Just like when I was in labor with Porter, like I was, I was making these sounds that in the moment I was like, whoa, what is that? What is that? And how is it even possible for me to actually make that kind of a sound? Right. And also what, what? <laughs> oh, I wish so bad we had a video. Oh, of this. I wish we did too. Oh man. I might cry if I watched it back though. Cause it was so We horrifying. would probably cry laughing so hard. You would cry laughing. I bet you would too. <laughs> I think we need to interview David about this. Yeah, we probably should. He wasn't there. See, that's another part of the story. Oh, that's man. another part of the story. Okay. Oh, we haven't shared Now that we're one. getting off okay. on a tangent. Right. So back to where I left off with the anxiety attack is that that feeling of no control was actually happening. It was scary. It was in the moment. It was scary, but I don't know how to describe this any other way. So I'm just going to take a shot at it. It was scary and it was weird and it was cleansing. Like that's how it felt. I felt like sitting in the the depths of this despairing kind of like moment was somehow going to be cleansing for me and a refining moment in my life. And that's exactly what I would describe. That's why we're talking about on the podcast, because this defining moment in my life had pointed me in the right direction. And that's exactly what happened next. So from that point, it calmed down. The crying stopped. Well, no, actually the crying didn't stop for like 48 hours because I just kept crying all the time. But the, the anxiety attack was definitely done. And as David and I kept talking for hours and hours and hours, there are three main things that we, that I together through talking and counseling and just having that dialogue together that I realized number one, ever since I've been working at home again, I have had no boundaries and I used to work from home. Anyone who's followed my career for all these years knows that that it's what I did for years and years with creating keepsakes and then starting the company from home. But then we had that four year pocket of time mm-hmm. that we worked out of our in homes the office. in the office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The centralized office, which was great. And it worked for a season and it didn't make sense anymore. So, you know, since I've been working from home again since January, he and I were both realizing, whoa, my boundaries are loose and ask anyone on my team, especially sweet Carrie, who you know, I've had her manage a few things on weekends because something came up and even, you know, what, like, what is that? So anyway, loose boundaries. Number two, um, I realized that I have felt an immense burden and a lot of anxiety over the past year or so related to the business. And there's a lot of factors that contribute to that. This is not one thing. There's just not one thing to point to. There's a ton of factors. That's not the point of the story. I don't want to go into all of that, but business has been hard. And to be totally frank and honest, business in the past year or so has been down. And that I'm really okay talking about that because that is the ebb and flow of business. You guys, you and Taylor run a business, you understand mm-hmm. as well. And a lot of people run businesses. You need to know if you don't already know this, if you're going into this 
situation, if you're going to run a company, you have to expect it as a roller coaster. It well, will be. And I love um, Allison Faulkner. Yes. At the Allison show, she always says, evolve, 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 innovate, innovate, innovate. And that's one thing we've seen um, with the business that my husband owns is that there have been ebbs and flows um, and also the need for evolution. And so as those transitional times and our what was our original business plan has changed several times as technology has changed and the market has changed and supply and demand has changed and our business has had to work on evolution and innovation, um, to make sure that we're still kind of ahead of the eight ball, like, um, you know, making sure that we have the products and services kind of before people even need them or realize they want them. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of, um, something that's been a big factor in my husband's business. And I think that that is the same thing here is that it's that ebb and flow, but it's, it's more the like evolution and innovation necessary. It is. And that is a piece of it. And then there's all these other pieces related to it that, that, that are, it's just such a loaded story. There's so, so, so many things that play into that. And I want to remind you what David told me at the beginning of this whole conversation, but I want to remind you as my friend and my listener, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do any of this. And I've chosen it and I've chosen, I've chosen it over and over and over because I feel called to do it because I love it. Call it what you want but I still choose to do it. And that was kind of his whole point is you're choosing this, but for what, at what expense? Because now like you're, this is, this is a bit much. And that's kind of what, you know, going into the third point that I was going to make as we talked is like, we were both realizing, like, I literally never take a break. We go, we travel. You and I have traveled together, Becky. We travel, we do things. I have been pretty good about proper weekends until recently, but even on trips, he was reminding me, even on trips, there was always a justifiable reason that I was tying work into to it somehow, which in retrospect, I still think is justifiable because I'm like, yeah, but you know, but, 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 right. And he's like, yeah, but you who preaches about taking proper breaks haven't been taking proper breaks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, David is saying all the things that I need to hear and none of which I wanted to hear. And this is kind of like the plight of the self-employed. I think if you run any kind of business, um, that boundaries thing and being able to take proper breaks is a real sticky topic Mm because it's something we have to work through in our house too, not only for my work, but for my husband's work. And I think a lot of it with my husband, as we've talked through it, is he felt um, a lot of pressure for the families that work for us, for the families that like the business provides a living for. And that is a huge burden to bear. And so as a business owner, he wants to show up as his, you know, his, his best self doing all the work. And he doesn't ever want anyone else's, um, family to suffer because of him. And it took him a long time to realize how to kind of work, how to work that out in a way that worked for our family, um, with managing that burden. And it is a burden. It's a very, very real burden. And it is one that he has chosen. And this is one that I have chosen. And, um, and that's, that's tough. There's just not a black and white answer to, to solving that. Right. That's the key though, is the whole proper vacation thing too, is you have to do what works for you. Mm -hmm. And the whole point this is trying to illustrate is how you were doing it was no longer working for your family. That's correct. And you could totally be doing it however you want if it works for your family. But if it doesn't, then you need to readjust. And that's the point you got to. That's exactly right. Yep. And, and that's what I, that's why I value so much the gift of this experience, especially 
that David was my partner in this and that we were going through it together. He was very non-emotional. Like he didn't need to be, this wasn't his burden. He felt the burden that I was carrying and he was walking me through all of these things. And, um, and that was that night. Now this took, this took quite a while to like explain what happened that night. And quite honestly, Becky, before we recorded, you said this might need to be like part one, part two. I just don't want to leave any stone unturned (laughs) because I think that there are so many people out there who experience anxiety and anxiety attacks or who are experiencing it and don't realize it that I think we need to talk about it. We need to talk about every like thing we think we need to talk about, um, in regards to this, because at the end of the day, like you have experiences in your life to share with other people so that you can help to buoy them up so that you can, you know, when you have an anxiety attack or if you're dealing with anxiety, the worst feeling ever is it's not a very visual thing sometimes. And people don't know, like people don't know what you're suffering behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. And it's something that can be really isolating and really scary and an awful thing to go through. And so hopefully with this episode, there's someone out there who is feeling this or going through this or having some aha moments where, um, they're just not going to feel alone. Right. And I want both of our experiences always to help other people feel less alone, feel less alone, to feel connected to a solution and not just lost in their problems. For sure. So is it okay if we break this into two parts? Oh, totally. So that in the next one, we're going to keep recording and then we'll just share it next week. I am going to share then what happened next. I want to share the light at the end of the tunnel. I want to share the choices that David and I made together, that the team and I made together and the things that, that we decided and that I decided that have totally changed my life. I love it. Okay. Let's, well, let's wrap this one up real fast. So to say, um, if you are experiencing anxiety and Becky has just walked us through what her um, anxiety attack looked like, I've shared a little bit of what mine looked like. There's hope. Mm-hmm. You can totally make it through this. Um, next episode, we're going to be talking about what Becky did and hopefully you'll be able to find solutions in that. Um, but you're safe. You're not alone. You're not imagining things and you're not crazy. And it's okay. And it's totally Anxiety okay. Anxiety is okay and it can actually be really cleansing for you as well as soon as you are able to identify what it is and the role that it has played or is playing in your life. And one last thought I want to leave you with before we sign out for this week is Becky had shared that when, when I had told her about, oh, I, you know, I used to have anxiety attacks all the time and, and she totally had empathy, but she couldn't relate. Totally. Um, I think another one of the blessings Becky going through this experience is she will never, when someone says to her, like, I'm having really bad anxiety right now, you are never going to look at that person the same way again, because you're going to remember, you're going to remember what that feels like. And you have a different level of being able to connect with people in being able to help them all day long. Right. And a hundred percent that in and of itself, right. That in and of itself is such a blessing. And so for this week, as we sign out, I just want you to think about, um, the experiences you've had, or if you know someone who's going through this and think about what a blessing you could be to that person. Um, and just know that your experiences, you're given those experiences to help other people. And to help prepare you for more things to come in your life that are wonderful. That are amazing. And it is. It's a refiner's fire. For sure. So hang on, sister. We have good information for you next week. We've got your back. Okay, guys. We'll be with you next week.
gum out of my mouth. Good? We good? You don't have to take the gum out of your mouth. You think that's distracting? No. Okay. (laughs) 